The epistle reading for today is from Romans chapter 3 and will be the basis for today's message. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in His divine forbearance, He had passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness at the present time, so that He might be just and show the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Reformation Day is a a great celebration in our church year, our celebration of our Lutheran heritage to know that we are saved by grace alone through faith alone and we learn this through Scripture alone. We know that we cannot boast in our salvation because of our works. And this is one of those messages that as we approach as a pastor that we think of days like Christmas and Easter and Reformation Day and think, what is something new to say today? I spoke with a third grade class, one of the third grade classes this past week, and we were talking about Reformation and they knew all about it. They knew that we sin, that God hates sin, that God sent His Son to pay the price for our sin, that now we're forgiven and we get to have everlasting life. Pretty good synopsis of the gospel if you think about it. But what if there's more to the gospel than that? I wonder sometimes if we have an oversimplified view of what the gospel is, maybe a a flat view of the gospel instead of a a deep and rich understanding of maybe a more complete idea of what the gospel is. To know that the depth and the riches of gospel is, is more than salvation. Today I want to share a little bit more, to go a little deeper, a little richer, that you would have this understanding that God's love is faithful that God's love creates love, and that God's love is purposeful. God's love is faithful. God's love is faithful. Paul uses this interesting phrase today, the righteousness of God. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Now, we've spent a great many weeks and months in this book, this letter to the church in Rome about 
our righteousness, that our righteousness is not something that we do, but rather God looks at our faith and He counts our faith, He credits our faith to us as righteousness. But what on earth is the righteousness of God? Well, it can't be the same thing. What is this? What is God's righteousness? And beginning this week, we were processing this thought that God's righteousness must be His his perfection, His holiness, right? His, His inability to do anything wrong, His moral perfection. But maybe there's more. Maybe this righteousness of God is better understood as His faithfulness to keep His promises. Because if it's only His moral perfection, then we have a God who in His perfection looks at our sin as an angry God and seeks eagerly to condemn, to punish, and to bring His wrath against us. But if we have a God whose righteousness is based first on His faithfulness to keep His promises, well, then we have a God who's at his core nature is love, compassion, and the desire to bring us back into a right relationship with him. A God who's willing to go to absolutely any length to make that happen because of his great love for you and for me. Well, let's listen to what Paul writes in verse 25. This was to show God's righteousness, God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance, hang on to that word, in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. Forbearance is to be patient or long-suffering, holding back. And God is in his forbearance holding back punishment and wrath and anger. He's holding that back because of his great love and compassion. He's being patient patient for his plan of salvation to unfold, patient for you to come back to him in repentance. See, I want you to understand that at his core, God's central characteristic is love. That is who he is in his identity. And that The righteousness of God is wrapped up in this commitment that he is faithful to keep his promise of forgiveness and life. And because of that, he's righteous and holy and perfect. But the righteousness of God starts with his faithfulness to keep his promise. Don't miss this this very important difference because it is God's heart for you. He longs to keep his promise, and that leads to his moral perfection. But this idea shifts our identity and who God is from this angry God who himself is perfect and holy, demands that we be perfect and holy, and then is angry when we fail. And it shifts from that idea instead to a God who at his core is love, who has compassion, and who is faithful to his promise to save, who is longing to to restore us to himself. God's love is faithful. And God's love creates love. 
right? His love for us that He expresses, it grows in us and motivates us now to love Him and to love one another more fully. We now love God and others because He first loved us. Not looking at God and, and Jesus particularly as an example of how to love, but to encounter that love. To be overwhelmed by that love of God. To allow the love of God to change who we are at our identity level as sons and daughters loved by God. And then let that love motivate us to love Him back, to motivate us to love one another more fully. And here is that love that God has for you that while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. Uh, And I I love that. That that reveals the real core nature of who God is, that He does not wait for you to, to smooth off all the rough edges to finally get yourself right for Him to start to love you. No, He loves you right as you are. In the middle of all your problems, in the middle of all your brokenness, He draws near to you and He whispers His love to you and He says, I long for you. I long for you to know and encounter my love. And I'm sent my son so that in his mission of salvation for the world, he would draw you to be near with me. Then Paul writes this, now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. Every mouth be stopped. That's an interesting phrase, and it loses a little something, I think, in the English translation, because in the Greek, quite literally, it means that if you feel like you are going to be boasting about how good your life is, put a cork in it. (laughs) Stop your mouth. There's nothing you can boast about before God, because all of this is, is by grace, that it's your faith that the Holy Spirit has worked in you to believe. And that faith is what God counts as your righteousness, not your works, not your behavior, not your grade card, your faith. Paul says that all are sinful, and then he says all are justified without distinction. This is what Paul says, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. Now, you have to understand, every time that we have this text that says propitiation, I panic just a little bit. You have no idea how many times I practiced in front of a mirror to say propitiation. All are justified by His grace. Let that sink in just a little bit. Remember, we say that God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. I want you to know that God's plan for salvation is for everybody. Without distinction. Unfortunately, 
Only those who open this gift through the, the eyes of faith can receive this gift. But this gift is offered generously, liberally, you can even say prodigally to the world, to everyone. That means even our enemies. Even our enemies are given this free gift too. Again, only received by faith, and without the faith, the gift is given, but it's never opened. But all are given this gift. It's difficult to consider that God's gift of grace is given to all without distinction. Because we, we surely, we give grace from time to time, right? We, we forgive those who have hurt us, especially those that we like, especially our family members, our close friends. Those are, those are easy people to forgive. But what about people like Vicar? I mean, come on. What about those we don't like? Or that have hurt us? Sometimes our human heart gives grace with distinction. We like to hold it back from those who have wronged us. It's hard to be truly graceful like God is. See, the deeper the wound, the more difficult it can be to extend grace and forgiveness. But God gives his grace without distinction. That was a powerful phrase that really grabbed a hold of my heart this week. Because our Heavenly Father is a lot like that prodigal father that Jesus talked about. Yeah, I said prodigal father. Sometimes we call it the parable the prodigal son, but prodigal just means wasteful, liberal. And it was actually the father who was wasteful and liberal with his giving of grace to his, his prodigal son because knowing that his son would go out and waste that gift, he gives it to him in full. And then when the son comes back with his tail tucked between his legs later, What's the father do? Well, he's prodigal all over again, and he wastefully gives that grace all right back in full, holding nothing back. And so is our heavenly father prodigal with us every morning when we come in to worship and confession and we receive his absolution. He is so ridiculously generous to lavish his grace on you, knowing full well that within breaths you will be sinning all over again. And he does it every time we come to him. He washes us fully with his grace without distinction. He sends his son for everyone, even those who will mock him. He sends his son for those who won't believe in him. He sends his son uh, for those who will kill others for believing him. He sends his son for the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the people who reject and kill him. He'll send his son for tax collectors and sinners. He sends his son for a woman at the well who's been married over and over and over and over only to lose hope in love and is consigned to live with someone with whom she's not married. He sends his son for lepers who are rejected by society on the the outside looking in. He sends his son for those who will outwardly speak his name but inwardly don't know him. He sends his son for people desperately trying to make a name for themselves. He sends his son for people lost in despair over their mistakes. He sends his son for sinners in need of saving. He sends his son for you. 
He sends His Son for me. And when you grasp that, the depth of His love that's been lavished onto you without distinction, it starts to change your heart. It wakes your heart up to this idea that this grace that's been so freely and so generously given to you, who are you to hold it back from anyone? And you praise God with worship, with a heart that's awakened to know Him and to rejoice in His presence like we do this morning. And at the same time, you are quick to forgive those who have hurt you, even those who have wounded you to the core. Now, public service announcement. For those individuals in your life who have hurt you and wounded you to the core and are unrepentant and are unwilling to change their behaviors, you can still forgive them. But you don't have to remain in their presence that they can continue hurting you over and over again. That's a good boundary. But be generous and lavish with the grace that has been richly, prodigally poured out on you. God's love is faithful. God's love creates love. And God's love is purposeful. God's love is purposeful. See, it wakes our hearts up. It awakens our hearts to live on purpose and for a purpose. To live on purpose means that, that we have this innate drive inside of us to be intentional every moment of every day that we are a called washed clean in our baptism son or daughter of god and that is our identity and we grow into it intentionally every day here at saint luke's that intentionality involves being engaged in worship gatherings on a weekly basis it means plugging into this worship time with one another and celebrating God, receiving His Word, receiving His sacraments and gifts, receiving His grace and letting it wash over us. And then we respond back and burst forth in joy and thanksgiving. It means that we take part in spiritual formation, that we dig deep in our relationships with one another, that we can grow in our relationship with God together that we challenge one another, that we hold each other accountable, that we lift one another up. And it means that we involve ourselves in community connections, that we take what we have, the richness of this place, and we carry the church out into the world to be a light into the darkness of our neighborhoods, our homes, our places of work, and in our schools. We don't get to just pick one of those, but we, we grab all three and embrace worship and spiritual formation and community connections, and we intentionally do these things every day, not sitting back and hope that maybe these things will happen today, but we intentionally go about our days engaging in these things. We live a life on purpose because of God's love in us, and we live it for a purpose. Right? God's love lavished on you is not only for you to encounter it, but that you can share it on a mission. And our mission here is that we celebrate awakening hearts in every generation to the power of life in Christ. That is how we live out the Great Commission in this place 
in this time with these people. That is our mission. We live on purpose and for a purpose. But we do this with humility. Again, we go back to Paul says, what then because of our boasting? It's excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but a law of faith. All of this has been accomplished by God. What on earth do we have to boast about? Certainly nothing that we have done. This word boasting is an interesting word selection. It goes back to times in battle when one side one army would be on one side of the hill and then there'd be a valley and in the other hill there'd be another army and they're facing off with one another and they both spend time hurling insults to one another and, and hurling boasts about themselves that, that our army is greater and more mighty and well-equipped than yours. We will be victorious over you. A long, long time ago, there was one such battle against Israel and the Philistines, and the Philistines sent out one of their own to battle one from Israel. That one that the Philistines sent was Mammoth. His name was Goliath. And for 40 days in a row, he hurled insults at the army of Israel, boasting in his strength and his might. Until on that 40th day, this little boy named David shows up and filled with the courage and strength of God, confronts this monster giant Goliath. And the boasting that comes out of his mouth is a little bit different than the boasting that comes out of the mouth of the giant. David says, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. What if we approached every day with that, screaming in the face of the enemy? This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. There is nothing that the enemy of this world can do that is against me. Today I will be victorious in the Lord. He loves me. His love washes over me. His love is faithful to keep all of his promises. His love, his love creates more love in me. And his love is purposeful. And may that depth and richness of the gospel bring you a peace that passes all understanding in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. This week as you carry out from this place, please write this down. This is our weekly awakening statement for the week. Here's your question. How will you use God's faithfulness at the cross to reflect his love? Use this as a question around your, your lunch table this morning or later this afternoon or, or throughout your week as you meet with friends or gather together in your homes or at work or at school.